Welcome to the Ark Church Podcast. On here, you'll find all of our Sunday and Wednesday messages, as well as classes and special services. If you would like more information about the Ark Church, visit us at thearkchurch.com or download our app available to all app stores. Our heart for you is that you would live for God, grow stronger, and make a difference. Enjoy. Hey, Ark Church. Good to have you here on Wednesday night. Listen, as my voice is recovering, I ask a good friend of mine, Billy Hunt, to fill in for me. Billy and I go way back to our Lakewood days. She's a great teacher. And uh, you guys are blessed. You've had Dwayne, you got Billy. We're well taken care of on Wednesday night, so give her a big welcome. She's a blessing to you. She's a blessing to this church. My subject tonight is thoughts and imaginations. Thoughts and imaginations. So um, I'm, I'm going to do something with you tonight, not the first verse that I gave you, but the second verse, a couple of verses, we're going to analyze them. Because I think it's good for you to learn how to not just read the Bible, but study the Bible. So we're going to look at this. If you have a, a pencil and paper tonight, you, want to, you might want to get it out. And, and before I get started, I have a little thing I need to get out here so I won't forget to mention it at the end. I'm going to put it right there so I won't forget. So... The first scripture I want is just a part of a scripture that I want to start with. It's Proverbs 21, 23, verse 7. And this is what it says. For as he thinks in his heart, so is he. One translation says, as a man or a woman thinks in their heart, so are they. What does that mean? Well, it means your thoughts, your constant thought life, will, you will build your life around that. Because your thoughts cause you to make choices. And the life you have now is the result of the choices you have made in the past. Whatever your life is right now, it's the result of the choices that you've made. And your choices came from your thought patterns that you have. Thoughts are very powerful. Our thoughts are so powerful. Uh, you know, we can start out and we can be having a great day. And we can get on the freeway. And the traffic can be horrible. And we can start thinking negative thoughts. I, maybe I'm the only one that does this. But we start thinking negative thoughts, and, and before you know it, we're angry. And if you, if you don't ever put a gun in your car, because some people do stupid things when they have a gun in their car. Don't let that be you. Thoughtful. Our thoughts are so powerful. They really are. They can change the total course of our day. Just bad, getting in a bad mood. Having, having a, a clerk be rude to you. Could just ruin your whole day, couldn't it? Your husband, no, no, no. I won't. <laughs> oh, I'm just teasing, honey. <laughs> we are defined by our thoughts. We are defined by our thoughts. Thoughts are so powerful. Our thoughts are like seeds that we plant in the fertile soil of our brain. And, and they take root and they grow. Uh, there's a guy named Stephen Covey wrote a book, it's a, not a new book, it's a rather old book called Seven Habits of Highly Effective People. And in his book, he made this statement, and um, it's this, it's, it's uh, four little statements. When you sow a thought, you will reap an action. Now think about that first statement. When you sow a thought, you will reap an action. What does that mean? If you begin to think about something, and you keep thinking about it, it will cause you to act in a certain way because thoughts are so powerful. Listen to the second. So sow a thought, reap an action. Sow an action, and you'll reap a habit. 
I don't believe there's one person who's addicted to drugs who woke up one morning and said, I think I'll get addicted to drugs today. Isn't that right? I don't really think there's one person that's ever committed adultery or, or had a, an extramarital affair that woke up one morning and said, I think I'll have an affair today. No, 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 that isn't how it happens, y'all. It starts with a thought. It, thoughts, it starts with entertaining a thought. And eventually, that thought becomes an action. And with drugs and alcohol and, and some of us with food, it becomes a habit. And they're hard to break, isn't it? It's hard to break once it becomes a habit. So you sow a thought, you reap an action. When you sow that action, it'll reap a habit. And habits are hard to break, very hard to break. And if you sow a habit, you will reap a character. Have you ever known somebody who's total, seemed like their whole personality changed when they picked up a bad habit? Yeah. But we want to think about it in a positive way. Let's, get, let's go back and, and do that in a positive way. If you sow the word of God in your mind, if you sow the word of God in your mind, the word of God will lead you to positive action. And when you sow that positive action in your life, it will result in a habit. If you start reading the word and you just put it in, it'll, it'll first just cause some actions. It'll make you want, well, maybe I'll read it again. Maybe I'll read it again. And you sow that action and, well, I just can't go this day without reading my word. If I get up and I, and, and I find myself at 10 o'clock in the morning and I haven't read my word, I go back and get my word to read my word because I have a habit of reading the word of God. Now, if you sow that habit, it's going to reap a character. What does that mean? It means if you sow the word of God in your heart enough, it becomes habitual to you. The word of God starts coming out of your mouth as well as going into your brain. Then you'll start acting differently. You'll start acting like the word of God tells you to act. You'll reap a character. You'll start acting like Jesus. And when you sow a character, I like this one, you will reap a destiny. You will reap a destiny. When we were singing the song, Justin, What He's Done, I had a, just a flash. Every once in a while, I have a flash thought. And, uh, you know, uh, most of my family is in heaven. My grandmother on my mother's side is in heaven. My mother is in heaven. She has a sister who was a mentor of mine who was a lady in ministry who's in heaven. My sister was a missionary, and she's in heaven. And when we were singing that song, I thought, What He's Done what he's done in our family, what he's done. And here I am carrying on the legacy because my mother, my grandmother first, and then my mother taught me to sow the word in my heart, to speak the word with my mouth, and to let Jesus create a destiny for me. Oh, it's for you too, y'all. It's for you too. Can you see how your thoughts are progressive? Can you see how important just one thought is? Your thoughts can lead you to success or your thoughts can lead you to failure. So let's take a thought test. You ready for a thought test? <laughs> okay, you may not like this thought test. But we're going to read a scripture and I want you to see if your thoughts have lined up with this today. Just today. Philippians chapter 4 verse 8. This is what it says. Finally, brethren, whatever things are true, 
whatever things are noble, whatever things are just, whatever things are pure, whatever things are lovely, whatever things are of good report, if there is any virtue, and if there's anything worthy of praise, meditate on these things. Well, how have you done today? If you haven't done too well, say boo. <laughs> and a few honest people, we're going to pray for the rest of you. <laughs> How have your thoughts been going? See, you have to discipline your thought life. You have to discipline your thought life. So I want us to meditate on, a ver- on actually a couple of verses tonight found in 2 Corinthians chapter 10. And we're going to talk about the power of your thought life and the power of imaginations. So let's begin. 2 Corinthians chapter 10. See, I thought we already began. Well, no, we're just getting started, y'all. 2 Corinthians chapter 10, verse 3. We're going to be 3 through 5. And I'm going to read right through that. And then we're going to go back and meditate together. So for 2 Corinthians 10, 3 through 5. This is New King James Version. For though we walk in the flesh, we do not war after the flesh. For the weapons of our warfare are not carnal, But they're mighty through God to the pulling down of strongholds, casting down imaginations and every high thing that exalts itself against the knowledge of God, bringing into captivity every thought to the obedience of Christ. Powerful, powerful verses. Good verses to memorize. Put down in your spirit so you can remember them. Now, let's look at them. Let's look at verse, let's start with those first two verses, three and four. For though we walk in the flesh, we do not war after the flesh. For the weapons of our warfare are not carnal, but they're mighty through God to the pulling down of strongholds. So these verses, now notice that what it says, for though we walk in the flesh, we don't war in the flesh. So this little passage is about warfare. People are always wanting me to to teach on spiritual warfare, and I like to teach on spiritual warfare. But uh, we we need to understand that we are in a war. It's not me. I'm a a lover of peace. I'm a lover, not a fighter. I am too. But I am in the warfare for for the world. I'm in a warfare for my family. I'm in a warfare for this church. I'm in a warfare. I realize that. And so we have to realize that though we walk in the flesh, now what does that mean? What does that mean? Well, it means that we live in a natural world. The world around us is a natural world. And, and we, we live in a natural world. We think naturally. We have to train ourselves to think spiritually. When uh, um, Mark Rutland was here the last time, I loved what he said about Jesus uh, having trouble making people understand him because sometimes he was God and he was man. And sometimes he taught God language. And his disciples didn't have a clue what he was talking about. Uh, you know, when he said, I'm going to build my church, they'd never heard that word before in their life. They had no idea what he was talking about. Build your church, what? When he said, if you, unless you eat my flesh and drink my blood, you can have no part of me, what? Is he a, is he a vampire? I, you know. <laughs> they didn't understand because he was speaking spiritually. And so we have to, uh, we have to understand that we live in a natural world, but our warfare is not natural. Our warfare is not natural. We're not, fat, we're not fighting natural opponents, and our warfare is not natural. And even when we are attacked by natural people, we still have to respond in a spiritual way if we want to win. 
because we do not fight like other people. This scripture tells us that, the, that though we walk in the flesh, we do not war after the flesh. For the weapons of our warfare are not natural weapons. I'll get even. I don't know. That's a natural weapon. That's a natural weapon. I'll forgive. That's a spiritual weapon. Because when you choose to forgive instead of get even, you set yourself free. That was, that's not even in my notes. That just came out of my mouth. So somebody needed that today. So our warfare is spiritual, and our weapons are also spiritual. Though we walk in the flesh, though we are very human, I'm very human. I am a, I, I am a spirit being, but I live in a body, and I have an emotion, and I have a will, and, and, I, and all of those things. We have, uh, we have opinions. Uh, we, we can take offense because we're human. We, we're human. But we also have the advantage of though we walk in the flesh, we don't war after the flesh. We're smart enough to know that there's a better way. And we catch ourselves. That's the, that's the key. We catch ourselves and we stop ourselves when we start going in that direction. And, and we'll get into that in just a minute because it's real important. We are engaged in a warfare, and it is not a natural warfare. It is a spiritual warfare. And spiritual warfare must be fought with spiritual weapons. Now, there's another scripture on warfare that fits beautifully here that I want to look at for just a minute because I want to talk to you about how important your thought life is in the warfare that we're fighting daily. By the way, you are, you are daily. You fight these wars. You may not even be aware of it, but you fight these wars. That we have basically, and we'll talk about this in more depth, but there are basically three enemies that we fight. We fight the world system around us. The world system around us is not our friend. And we fight the world system around us. We fight the devil and demonic forces around us. But you know who your greatest enemy is? Yourself. Your old nature. I have to fight my old nature a lot more than I have to fight the devil. I mean, I try to blame him. <laughs> and I can almost hear him saying, that was not me. That was you. I didn't even have to get involved because you did that yourself. So we have to learn, and these scriptures will help us. Now, let's go to Ephesians chapter 6, and let's look at what Ephesians tells us about our spiritual warfare and who we're fighting and how we fight. And Ephesians 6.10, New King James says, Finally, my brethren, be strong in the Lord and the power of his might. Now, we have to be strong in the Lord, not strong in yourself. I'm going to be the first one to tell you, I can't, I can't win with my own strength because I'm not that strong. But I'm strong in the Lord and the power of his might. I'm strong in the Lord and the power of his might. You've got to rest in the Lord and the power of his might. Put on the whole armor of God that you may be able to stand against the wiles of the devil. Now listen to this. This is who we are fighting. For we do not wrestle against flesh and blood. Now let's just stop for a minute. There are just a lot of people who think our warfare is with flesh and blood. One of the things Joyce said in her message on Sunday was that we need to stop group thoughts. And I thought, boy, that is really good. Because what happens is the news media, voices around us, or there are multiple voices. It's a group voice that speaks to our mind. And if we embrace group thought, 
we can become very angry or we can become very fearful. Thoughts will create fear if you do not know how to do spiritual warfare. So we, we have to guard our thought life and we have to be careful because we don't wrestle against flesh and blood. Men are not our enemies. Some men are stupid and we need to pray for them. Some, some men are evil and we need to pray for them. Do you know, I pray for, you may be surprised at this, but I pray for Mr. Putin almost every day. I pray that the, the Lord will remove the blindness Satan has put on him. I pray that the Lord will wash his heart in the blood of Jesus and turn his heart to serve the living God and send laborers across his path. Can you imagine what would happen if Mr. Putin got saved and filled with the Holy Ghost? Well, why wouldn't he? Well, if nobody prays for him, that probably won't happen. We need to pray for our president. We need to pray for the people around us in leadership. And we don't need to be angry with them, frustrated with them, critical of them, although it's difficult not to be. I'm serious. I'm just being honest, y'all. So here's who we're wrestling again. We don't wrestle against flesh and blood, but against principalities, against powers, against the rulers of the darkness of this age, against spiritual hosts of wickedness in heavenly places. Now let's go back again to Mr. Putin. There's another prayer that I pray. There is, there is a power, um, uh, a principality over Russia, a demonic principality over Russia. Do you know we have authority over principalities and powers and wickedness in high places? So I bind that thing. I bind that thing that's influencing that war, that spirit of war. That We can do that. You say, are you serious? I am serious. We can do that. We can bind that thing. We can declare it unlawful for it to continue. We can command that it cease and desist. And that was free. But you need to pray that. If, if, there's, anything, if there's anything you need to learn to do, there's several things. You need to learn to hold your mind in place. That's what we're talking about tonight. You need to learn to control your thought life. You need to learn to pray. You need to learn to pray effectively. If you don't know how to pray and you need, to, you need something to help you, I have a little book on prayer I will give you. So you can learn to pray. We need to learn to pray. And we need to stay in the Word. Because you will never, you will never know what God is doing. You will never be able to work with God. You will never be able to embrace your promises if you don't know the Word. And the only way to know the Word is to read the Word. And to meditate on the word. That's what we're doing tonight. So those are, uh, those are our enemies. Therefore, take the whole armor of God that you may be able to withstand the evil days. And having done all to stand, stand. Now, I'm not going to talk about the armor of God. It's all about getting dressed. But toward the end of the armor, there are three pieces that the Lord gives us as weapons and, and I want you to get this. I want you to get this down in your spirit. Because in Ephesians 6, it lists the armor of God, which we will not, we're not going to discuss. But it gives us three weapons. And in verse 16, it says this. Above all, taking the shield of faith, which, which you will be able to quench all the fiery darts of the wicked one. So we have this shield of faith. That's another thing I needed to add. You need to work on your faith. Faith is simply believing God. It's simply believing the word of God more than you believe anything else. It's simply believing before you see it. It's believing God. And the fiery darts, he fires those fiery darts at your mind. 
He will, he will fire a dart at your mind. I remember when, uh, when I hadn't actually been diagnosed, but they had just done the test and I'd seen the tumor in my colon and I had, and I had called it out to the technician, that's a tumor. And they'd put me in the hall quickly because they weren't supposed to tell me what it was and called my doctor and said, she's seen it and she knows what it is. And immediately the devil fired a fiery dart at my mind. My Aunt Lorena, one of the ladies I mentioned a moment ago, one of my mentors, died of cancer of the colon. And as I was laying in the hallway in that hospital, it was almost audible. It was a fiery dart in my mind. The devil said, I killed Lorena Robinson with cancer of the colon and I'm going to kill you too. Well, that's a scary thing. That's a scary thing. But you know the spirit of the Lord in me? I didn't even quote a scripture at him. I just said back out loud, I'm sure anybody, I don't even know if anybody was walking by because I was not interested. I was fighting. I was in warfare. And I said, no, you won't, devil, because I won't die. Well, I'm here today. I did not die. But that's a fiery dart. When, they, when, when he fires a fiery dart, it's your faith that will rise up like a shield, and it'll hit that faith and bounce off. That's what it did. He never said that to me again. Because his fiery dart didn't make it through. I had the shield of faith up. And so that's one of our weapons. Your faith is a weapon. Faith is a weapon. Believing God is a weapon. Refusing to stop believing God is a weapon. And it's a weapon that you, you won't be able to stand in that faith unless you have the word of God in your mind and in your heart. So the next one is the helmet of salvation. And that's a confidence in God. And then the last one is the sword of the spirit which is the Word of God. The Word of God is our weapon. Praying. What do we do with the Word of God? We pray it. We pray the Word back to God. We say the Word to our bodies. We speak the Word to our situations. And you can't speak it and you can't pray it if you don't know it. So you got to know it. Well, how do I know it? You read it. And you read it. And you put it on a card and you stick it on your refrigerator and you put it on your mirror and you get it in your heart and you get it in your mind and you don't let your mind wander around, but you hang on to the word. And when that, when you do that, then Romans 12 verse two, this is, this is what it says about our enemy, the world, the world system. Do not be conformed to the world system. But be transformed. How are we transformed? By the renewing of our mind. One translation says by changing the way you think. By changing what you put in your mind. By refusing to meditate on the things of the world. By refusing to allow the world to press you into its image with its... I'm telling you, if there's anything that could get you upset, it's the advertisements on television these days. Uh, and, and not just the silly ones that tell you a medication and then everything it'll do to kill you. Uh, you know. <laughs> but, but the perverse advertisements, the, the vile advertisements, the things that, that are immoral, it's, it's, it's the world. It's our world system. And we must not let the world press us into that image. I'm telling you, Jesus is coming. If you don't know it, you better, you better listen to me. He's coming and you better be ready. And that means you better guard your mind, guard your heart, guard your children, guard your family, get the word of God in your heart, begin to walk in a new power, begin to walk in a new place because Jesus is coming. He's coming. Uh, I uh, heard something today 
that I think is very exciting. Uh, they are going to allow the Jews to begin to pray on the Temple Mount in Jerusalem. You know, they haven't been allowed at, at, for centuries. And, um, and, and uh, I heard today, I, I haven't uh, verified this, but I heard today that they are actually negotiating to celebrate Passover this year on the Temple Mount. Listen, you know why that's important? Because in the tribulation time, they're going to be worshiping on the Temple Mount. They're going to rebuild their temple. We're close folks. And that can't happen till we're gone. Unless you don't believe in a rapture. And then maybe you'll be, still be here. I don't know. <laughs> no, you're going whether you, whether, you know, whether you believe it or not. So our enemy, our enemy, the world, our enemy, the flesh, Galatians chapter 5 says, if you will walk in the spirit, you will automatically overcome your own nature. If you will, it lists all the horrible things your old nature wants to do. But, and, and all of the thoughts that it'll try to bring to you. Your old nature is, it's not your friend. It needs to be renewed and by transformed by the renewing of your mind. And so if you walk in the spirit, you will not, you will automatically. And you know, when I was young and I grew up in a church uh, and it was a wonderful church, but here was an error in that church. I got saved lots of times because they didn't believe in the security of the believer. And they believed if you committed any sin, you would go straight to hell. Even if you, even if you, it didn't matter if you had any sin in your, you know, if that's true, there won't be one person in heaven. Really? Because we all sin. Thank God we have an advocate with the father that when we confess our sins, he's faithful and just to forgive us our sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. But I spent all of my spiritual energy trying to stay saved. And so consequently, I concentrated and focused on my weak nature. Okay, now you're, I'm fixing to teach you something real important. When you concentrate on anything, when you focus on anything, you empower it. So while I'm focusing on my old nature that keeps sinning, and I just, it's hilarious to think now when I was a teenager, how, what kind of horrible sins could I have been involved in? There were no drugs at that time. So, anyway, I, I focused on my weak nature and I just couldn't overcome it because I was empowering my old nature. But then I learned that if I focused on the word of God and I fed my spirit man, my spirit man would become strong and my spirit would automatically overcome my old nature. That doesn't mean I never sin again, but it means my spirit is stronger than my old nature. Are you getting this? So if you're struggling, start feeding your spirit. Start feeding your mind things from the Lord. <clears throat> and the last one, of course, is the devil. John 10, 10. You want to know what he does? He kills, steals, and destroys. The good news is in that same verse, Jesus said, but I came to give you life and to give it to you more abundantly. Now let's go back to 2 Corinthians 10. For though we walk in the flesh, we do not war after the flesh. For the weapons of our warfare are not carnal, but they're mighty through God, and they will pull down strongholds. Now let's talk about a stronghold. What is a stronghold? A stronghold of the mind is a lie that Satan has established in your thinking. And you think it's true, but it's actually false. That's a stronghold. I can't, I'll never be free. I'll always have this problem. I'll never be free. That's a lie. That's a lie from Satan. If you believe it, you won't get free. 
or I, I, just, I just can't overcome this. I'll never be a success. I'll never, I'll never, I'll never. Those are lies. They're lies and they become strongholds when you allow the enemy. When we embrace those lies, they affect us. They affect our attitudes. They affect our emotions. They affect our behaviors. And they very much negatively affect our future. So we've got to break those strongholds. And, the, and, and we just read that the weapons of our warfare are not carnal, but they're mighty through God, and they will pull down strongholds. Pull down strongholds. Is there a stronghold in your life? Well, I believe that the Lord can help you pull that stronghold down. Depression, drugs, alcohol, fear. What's your stronghold? Tonight, let's get free. You want to? Let's get free. So how do we destroy strongholds? Back to 2 Corinthians 10, 3 through 5. Though we walk in the flesh, we do not war after the flesh. For the weapons of our warfare are not carnal, but mighty through God. And they pull down strongholds. Okay, here goes. Now we're going to verse 5. Casting down imaginations. And every high thing that exalts itself above the knowledge of God or against the knowledge of God. And bringing into captivity every thought to the obedience of Christ. There's a road from, that, we, that we can travel, and, and it will, you can either go down the road with your imagination to destruction, or you can begin to walk out and, and get involved in spiritual warfare, and you can begin to walk the road to deliverance and victory. And that's the road I want to get on. So let, three little things. Number one, you got to recognize the negative thought when it comes into your mind. Imaginations are negative. Even when they seem like they're good. <laughs> a hundred years ago, uh, when John Osteen asked me to teach in Lakewood Bible School, I was driving home after that service, and my, my little imagination began to work. And I began to think, oh, wow, this is just the beginning. And it was the, in the early days of my ministry. And this is just the beginning. Probably so-and-so will call me and I'll teach in that Bible school. And so-and-so will call me and I'll teach in that Bible school. And then, then this will happen. Oh, I mean, I had myself very famous. I was just, oh, my imagination. And the Spirit of the Lord spoke to me and said, stop it. I mean, I recognized his voice. And then the Lord spoke to me and said, you know what you're doing will keep you from enjoying the door I'm opening for you. Imagination will do that for you, you know. Imagination. Don't, don't let those vain imaginations. And, and that word vain it is really, really, really important. <clears throat> Imagination. To think that something exists and is true and to believe something, although, in fact, it is not real or true. See, that's what I was doing. I had a little truth, and I was expanding it to make me famous. You've never done it. I know you haven't. <clears throat> What's the result? Romans, 12, Romans chapter 1, verse 21 tells us the result of vain imaginings. Because when they knew God, they glorified him not as God. Neither were they thankful. Boy, that's such an important word. Thankful. But they became vain in their imaginations. And their foolish heart was darkened. Darkness comes in. Imaginations, vain imaginations opens the door to darkness to come in and put out the light and the glory of God in your life. The worst kind of imaginations, vain imaginations. Empty, that word vain means empty. Fruitless. 
harmful to your spirit. Vain imaginations. Watch vain imaginations in your life. Even though they seem harmless and you're just kind of playing around with your imagination, stop it. Stop it. And get, let the Word of God fill your heart. Guard against vain imaginations because the end result is darkness in our thinking. So the first thing is we've got to recognize the negative thought. Recognize the negative thing that's going on in our mind. Secondly, we have to pull it down. You have to grab hold of it, casting down imaginations and every high thing that exalts itself against the knowledge of God and bring into captivity every thought to the uh, obedience of Christ. So we have to catch the thought. We have to pull it down. The word of God, when it says against the knowledge of God, that's the word of God. Anything that enters your mind that's contrary to the word of God, to the promises of God, you've got to grab hold of it and pull it down because that's not from God. And what do you do? Then you have to replace it. That's the third thing. You have to replace that thought. Don't just leave your mind blank. Just don't go around with a blank mind. But cast down the negative. Cast down the worldly. Cast down the fearful. Cast down the negative and grab hold of the word of God and replace it. In her book, Who Switched Off My Brain, Dr. Caroline Leaf gave some really important information about your brain. She said, you have the opportunity to get rid of any thought, and there's a period of time when you can get rid of it. And she said that the most important time for you to pay attention to your thoughts is just before you go to sleep at night. Watch what you watch, what you read, what you talk about right before you go to bed. Because the thoughts you put into your brain before you go to bed will wash over your brain all night long. So if you watch the news right before you go to bed, well, something negative could be washing over your brain all night long. If you watch a scary movie, it could be washing over your brain all night long. You have to be careful. So you know what I do? I've discovered here's a couple things you can do to help your thought life. Daily devotions and nightly prayers will help you keep your thoughts focused. Psalms 55, 17 says, it encourages us to pray three times a day. Three times a day I will pray and seek your face. I pray, <clears throat> this is what I do when I go to bed, and I've done it ever since I read that book. I pray the, the, 23rd, uh, the 23rd Psalm every night. Lord, you make me lie down in green pastures. You lead me beside still waters. I pray that every night. And, it, you know, it helps you. If you start praying Scripture, you can memorize Scripture, and that's really good for you. I call that my brain cleanse. Psalms 23 is my brain cleanse when I go to bed. And my husband will tell you, I sleep like a log. He does not. But I sleep like, sometimes I wake him up because sometimes this log snores. <laughs> so I pray that. When I'm having, uh, when I'm having negative thoughts or, uh, or when I'm struggling with uh, maybe sickness, the scripture that I will say over and over and over again is, I thank you, Lord, I'm fearfully and wonderfully made. I thank you, Lord, my body is strong. And I begin to quote scriptures over my body, and my body eventually will line up with the scriptures. I want to share with you tonight, I put this to the side. There are only two of these in the church, but Matt has promised me he'll make some more. And within the next, maybe not by Sunday, but maybe by next Wednesday night, uh, as you go out the doors where it says to check this out, well, you can pick these up. Our pastor is a poet. Did you know it? Oh, that rhymed, didn't it? And uh, Joyce shared this with us in, in class 
uh, one morning. This is four scriptures that he puts together, and I use these all the time. I say this all the time. This is what it says. I think they're going to put it up for us. Yes, there it is. I'm strong in the Lord and the power of his might. I walk by faith and not by sight. I can do all things through Christ who gives me strength. Thanks be to God for the victory. If you would like to take your phone out, leave it up there, guys. If you would like to take your phone out and take a picture, take a picture. I say that all the time. Anything, sometime I feel weak, anytime I feel like things are going wrong, I say that. I'm strong in the Lord. I'm not going to be defeated. I'm strong in the Lord. I'm getting the word of God down in my spirit. The key is to keep your mind focused on God. And this is the last scripture. Two, well, one more after this. Isaiah 26, 31. I will keep him in perfect peace whose mind is stayed on me because then you'll trust me. If you keep your mind fixed on God, you'll always be able to trust him. And I thought you might like to know that God has thoughts too. And the Bible gives us one particular thought that God has that he wants you to know about. And I bet many of you can quote this with me, Jeremiah 29, 11. I know the thoughts that I have for you, saith God. Thoughts to prosper you and not to harm you. Thoughts to give you a hope and a future. Remember that. When you leave here and you're pondering your thought life, remember God is thinking about you. He wants to give you hope for the future. He, has, wants you to, he wants you to know, I wrote down every day of your life before you were born. I have a perfect plan for your life, and I want you to get in it by your heads. If you're here tonight and you've never made Jesus the Lord of your life, this is the night to do it. This is the night to do it. If that's you, we want to pray a little prayer with you. I'm not going to embarrass you, call you up here, but we'd like to pray with you to invite Jesus into your heart tonight. If that's you, if you'll slip your hand up in the air, I'll see your hand, and and I'll pray for you all over the building. And you may be here, and you say, I know that I'm born again, but, oh, Billy, I'm not where I should be with the Lord. And I I see your hands, baby. And and I I want to pray that prayer with you. Anybody here like that? You need to rededicate your life tonight? Okay, we're going to pray with you. If you pray this prayer from your heart, God's going to do a miracle in you. Pray with me. Dear God, I know... Mankind needs a Savior, and I know I can't save myself. Jesus, I believe you're the Son of God. I believe you died on the cross for my sins, and God raised you from the dead. Right now, I confess you as my Lord, as my Savior, as the one who forgives me and restores me. Thank you, Jesus. My past is forgiven. I have a relationship with you. I'm a new creation in Christ Jesus because I've said yes to you. Thank you for joining us. We hope this message has blessed you. Don't forget to check us out on all the social platforms. We're uploading encouraging content on a regular basis. For more information, go to thearcchurch.com. Have a great week.